Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 72nd program in this series. I'm presently in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and this is the beginning of the conversation that was taking place between Jesus and his disciples at the end of his ministry. What is happening is that this is the Passover meal, also known as the Last Supper. The Seder meal, the Passover Seder meal for the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, will take place 24 hours later. For this meal, it's just the Passover lamb, bitter herbs, unleavened bread, and time that is reserved in order to remember the exodus from Egypt. Jesus just completed the foot-washing experience in order to explain to his disciples that the relationship that he wants them to have with others is a relationship based on serving others and not taking the position that other people exist to serve them. And I explained this in the previous program. Continuing in the conversation, beginning in verse 20, in verse 20, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. What he introduces here is the idea that he is going to send the disciples. He's going to send them out into the world as his representatives to speak to the people about the things that Jesus wants the people to know. Being sent out means that they are going to be apostles. As disciples, they're just students. As apostles, they are sent out to tell others what Jesus has told them and to do those things that Jesus has told them to do. And as his representatives, when he sends the disciples out as apostles in this context... When he sends them out, then there are people who they will interact with, and these people can receive the apostles, those who were sent, or they cannot receive these guys. And that's the choice of the people who they go and meet. And it's important for them to have this choice to decide if they are willing to receive the apostles and receive the message that the apostles are going to convey to these people. Now, when people receive the representatives of God, then what Jesus expresses here in verse 20 is that when they receive the representative of God, whomever Jesus sends, and so if he sends you, then you are one who he has sent. And in a way that makes you an apostle using the definition of someone who is sent out. And if you are sent and you go, then that just means that you went. You were sent, you went, 
And when you go to where it is that you were sent to go to, then you are put. And so if you know who sent you and you go, you are one of those who went and you are put. Then you know who sent you. You know who put you there. You can have great confidence that you are doing exactly what your God would like you to do. And it doesn't really matter what the outcome may be. And this is important to remember because you're going to find that a lot of people are not interested in what you have to share with them. They're not interested in the sense that they really don't care about the subject or they simply may not believe that God really sent you to go and be his representative in this regard. But that is their concern. That is something that they will have to deal with between themselves and the Lord. This is not going to be your problem to solve. Your task is just simply to do what your God directs you to do. Now, how will you know if God has sent you? Well, if you're not sure, if you don't have a high degree of confidence, then it's probable that the Lord is not sending you, that he has not given you any instruction to do anything particular like that. We don't have a God who has a communication problem. He is very good at communicating his interests and his desires to us. As we grow in a relationship with him, we will grow to know his voice. And if he never sends you to do anything, then this is not something for you to be concerned about. It doesn't mean that you're some lesser quality of believer anything like that. So don't feel any sense of condemnation if you don't have any confidence in this regard. Your objective is to know your God, not to find something to do. Now, if you would like to go and be his representative and share things with others that he has shared with you, you can do that. You can do that. You don't need him to send you to do things. You can go on your own. And in this context, you would be bringing him with you, and he will go. You have a God who dwells within you when you believe the gospel. When you are born again by the Spirit of God, he is within you, and you will take him wherever you go. He will go. And so there may be circumstances when he asks you to go and do something on his behalf, to speak to others on his behalf. And there can be times when you decide to go and do things on his behalf and speak to others on his behalf. And I personally have had many experiences like this in my life in Christ Jesus. And I have had the privilege of being a witness of him making use of both opportunities just fine. I don't think that the subject of, is he really sending us? Is he not really sending us? I don't think that this subject is an important subject to deal with. But he does say that there will be times when he will send. And that's what he conveys here in John chapter 13, verse 20. I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. So this is his interest. He wants people to receive him. So he may use us as a way to introduce himself to other people. This is a way, one of the many ways. And the objective is so that people may receive him, may know who he is, 
may perhaps build a personal interactive relationship with him themselves. So it's not about how can we get people to receive us and then have some great relationship with us. That's a nice thing. But the real objective is that they may have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And being one who is sent, that of course frees us up so that we can be sent to someone else. To continue, to move on, to go to meet new people, to discover new places maybe. And to interact with many people, lots of people, so that a lot of people can hear about their God can hear about the Lord Jesus, can receive the testimony of the truth, and then they can make a decision on their own for themselves as to what they are going to do with what they learn, with what they receive. So there is, in effect, a layered approach. This is one of the ways that I like to look at this, is as a layered approach. First, a person may receive you, and in receiving you, then they may receive Jesus, And of course, the Lord went on and he said, and he who receives me receives him who sent me, which in this context is the living God himself. It is a layered approach of people will receive you and then they may receive the Lord Jesus, who is a manifestation of our God, our God manifested in the flesh. And dwelt among us, he came to live as a man. And so this is a small way of gaining some exposure to the living God. He doesn't reveal the full magnitude of all of his glory, of all of his person, all at once. No one could withstand such a revelation. So he reveals himself a little bit at a time. And to reveal himself as Jesus is just one step. Once we receive him in the context of Jesus, then he can reveal more about the depths of who he is, the depths of his person a little bit more at a time. But in the end, it really is about knowing the true and living God who is one, who is one person. And these are layers, these are stages that he has provided us with so that we can grow to know who he is a little bit at a time. And again, it doesn't really matter what stage you are in, what layer you may have understood, because this is an eternal experience. There is no end to knowing your God. And wherever you are in that process is wherever you are. Do not compare yourself with other children of God, and do some kind of evaluation to determine what quality of a believer you may be. That's not what this is about. It is about growing to know him as you are able, and then growing to know him more, and a little bit more, and to continue with that. And as long as you continue, this is good. And we can all be very thankful for where we all are in our growth experience in discovering and growing to know our God and building a personal interactive relationship with him on an individual basis. So this is an introduction to this. Jesus introduces the fact that he is going to send people out on his behalf. Now, for those who receive those who are being sent, 
for those who receive us as his representatives, these people who receive us may not follow through with the purpose and the intent of why Jesus would send us to begin with. As an example, they may reject what is presented to them. That is easy to understand. But there are other things that can be a little bit more difficult to identify. For example, if they receive us, and they know that Jesus said if they receive us, then they receive Jesus, well, they might just stop with that and say, well, now I have received you. You have been received by me. I am welcoming you. I am willing to have a conversation with you. And so by default, I am receiving Jesus. By default, I'm receiving the one who sent him. I'm receiving God. So all I need to do is engage in a pleasant conversation with you, have some personal time with you, and then by default, I am fulfilling what Jesus intended. And so the person who receives you will fall short of what Jesus intended because you are going to leave. And when you depart, who are they going to be left with? Did they have an increase in the knowledge of their God? Or will they just say, well, that was it. That was my experience. I received one of those representatives of God. I was nice to them. I had a pleasant experience with them. We had some time together. Now they're gone, and so they will continue to live as if Jesus doesn't even exist, as if God doesn't really even exist. They will not follow through and build a relationship with their God on the basis of the truth that was revealed to them. They may instead wait for the next representative of God. Well, we'll just wait for the next person to show up, and we will again have a relationship with that person, but we will not see that as the transition to then be encouraged to have a relationship with their God. And so in this way, there can be an opportunity for people to just simply look at this as a way to avoid Jesus, to avoid the one who sent him. They will avoid their God by receiving you, but not really him. Now, again, this is their concern. It's not ours. It would be their failure. It would be their decision. And this is not something for us to deal with. It's not a problem for us to solve. We are to just simply move on with our lives and go on to the next person, to the next experience, to the next task that our God may give us to do. Or we can do things as we may like to do and speak with people as we may choose to do so. Either way, our God will be glorified. He will be known by us. Continuing into verse 21, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, I just mentioned this earlier. He spoke about someone not necessarily being as clean as they ought to be. This is found in verse 11, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, You are not all clean. But here, in verse 21, he's much more direct. And he says, just outright to everyone, he says, One of you will betray me. 
So in verse 22, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. And why do you suppose they were perplexed? Why do you suppose they were uncertain? Because they didn't have any evidence to go on. Which one of them would betray Jesus? Why would they betray Jesus? Has anybody got a problem with Jesus? They didn't have to stick around and wait for an opportunity to betray him. Some people will do that to others, but it does not appear that that's what was going on. Everyone was there for the right reasons. If there is going to be some betrayal, then what would motivate someone to do that? That is an open question. Now, I presented in the previous program the idea that when Judas betrayed Jesus, he might very well have done so because he thought it was a good thing to do. He thought that it was the right thing to do. And I can give an example such as he wanted to put Jesus in a situation where Jesus would have to be the messianic king. He would have to take control because his life would be in danger. And so in this context, Judas might be doing something that he thinks is good, which turns out to be a manipulation, but he thinks it's good because the end result will justify the betrayal. And decisions like this happen all the time. People often do that which is wrong, believing that what they will do will result in something that is right, and so it justifies their belief. Or they just come up with some imaginary scenario or imaginary situation or imaginary belief to make it sound like what they are doing is good. It is a form of public service. It's the right thing to do. And as long as they can come up with some kind of an excuse, some kind of explanation that they would be able to use in their defense, and somehow that justifies. Somehow that makes it okay. It makes it a righteous act in some ways to some people. And there are circumstances when people behave this way, where they either know full well that they are being evil, or they may very well have deceived themselves into thinking that what they are doing is good. But the end result is still the same. It still is a betrayal. Someone is going to do something that Jesus does not want them to do. They are going to do this on their own. It is contrary to what Jesus would want to be done. And so this is described as a form of betrayal. We can certainly do things that we would like to do. And just because our God does not tell us to do these things or encourage us to do these things, that doesn't mean that they are automatically evil. There are things that we can do that would definitely fit in the category of betrayal. There are things that we can do that would be in between, that wouldn't have anything to do with betrayal or following instruction. And then there are things that fit in the category of instruction. And I can only speak about this in a general sense. In order to address specifics, we have to deal with some specific circumstance, which I'm not able to do in a program such as this. So continuing into verse 22. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. 
and having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. And so Peter asked somebody nearby, hey, ask him who it is. That person asked Jesus who it was. Jesus gave him a sign. We don't have any indication that this person then conveyed that to Peter. And so the person who he spoke to, which in my opinion is John, the person who's writing this, but we don't know for sure, But whoever it was apparently didn't speak up right away because everyone was confused. They thought, well, hey, you know, Judas is the guy who keeps track of the money. Obviously, he is the most trusted person here. No, he's the one who keeps track of the money, but he is the one who is going to betray. That's the person who's going to betray. The one who apparently was considered to be the most trusted is going to be the one who will betray Jesus. And so he goes out and betrays Jesus. Now it says in verse 27 that Satan entered him. And as I mentioned in the previous program, this could very well have been just a way of saying that Jesus put the thought into his mind, put the suggestion into his head to say, hey, you know, things are not moving along very well. Why don't you go and betray Jesus? participate with all the leaders who are looking for some way to kill him, why don't you help them out and so that Jesus will be in a situation where he has to defend himself or he's going to lose his life, and then he will assert himself as the messianic king. This is one possible scenario where Satan put the thought into his mind to do something that could be considered to be good in the sense that it would result in a good outcome, And that's it. It doesn't need to mean that the devil entered into Judas, took absolute total control over his consciousness. Judas is now completely possessed by the devil, and he's now going to be used by the devil as a vehicle to go and betray Jesus. It doesn't need to mean that at all. This simple phrase, Satan entered him, is open-ended and can be understood in many different ways. But regardless of what the many different ways are of how this could be interpreted, the end result is still the same. Judas made decisions. Judas was responsible for the decisions that he made. From what we have recorded here, we can have confidence in saying that Satan was also a participant in the decisions that Judas made. I did produce a series of programs on the topic of spiritual warfare, and you can find those for free in the Living God Ministries radio archive. And I would like to encourage you to listen to those programs. There is a lot in there about the purposes of the devil, his objectives, and I give some examples regarding some of the personal experiences that I have had over the years 
and I believe that you will find these programs helpful in order to increase your understanding of the subject in general. But Judas then left. He left, he departed, and Jesus continued with this conversation that he is having with the rest of his disciples in verse 31. So when he had gone out, referring to Judas, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. This glorification is about the revelation of our God and the one who he has sent to know our God and to know the one who he had sent, the Lord Jesus. Regardless of all of the details of how this came about, of how this took place, the objective, something that we should not lose sight of, is to know our God. And the glorification is the revelation of the truth of who he is. That's what it means to be glorified. For God to be glorified means for him to be known. And I will continue with this in the next message. Thank you for listening. This is the 72nd program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 20 through 30, about the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples when he spoke to them, and he told them that he was going to send them out as a representative of him, that those who would receive them as his representative would be receiving him. And by default, they would also be receiving the one who sent Jesus, which is the Heavenly Father, which is the living God himself. And so he told them that he was going to send them out as apostles, representatives of him to share with others what he told them, the things that he said, and what that would mean to the people who they would go out and speak with. And I will continue with this in the next message. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.